Galaxy fans, this is Jessica, and I am so excited to be hosting tonight. We are here with Mark Thompson, who um, has has joined the podcast before, but many of you will know as um, an audiobook narrator who has has um, uh, done the the voice for many many Star Wars books, in addition to all of the other um, stories that he's worked on um, over what I assume is a very long career. And, uh, so we are talking to him tonight and we're going to be joined later by, by Dave as well to talk more about, um, the Bad Batch and really excited to be able to talk about how exciting this last week's episode was. So welcome, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh yeah. Thank you for having me. Now, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you just for a little bit on my own. Um, I know that the, the guys are going to be able to come in and, and uh, talk about all things Star Wars, but I'm really the book girl of all of us. So, um, yeah, you know, can you talk to me a little bit about when your um, career started with Star Wars specifically and, you know, what stage in, you know, in, in the rest of your professional life were you when that happened? Yeah. Um, so I believe it was 2006. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, and basically up to that point, I had done a lot of animation. Um, like I do some work on like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! And uh, there was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I did that we actually just celebrated our 20th anniversary. Um, so I was mainly doing that stuff. Um, and then I got an agent during that time and they started sending me on commercial work and stuff. And, uh, the, my agent called and said, you know, have you ever done audiobooks?" And I was kind of like, no, not really. And I was kind of trying to maybe talk her out of it. Cause like I was the guy in high school that when you had to do a book report, I would try to watch the movie and do the report on the movie. instead of the book, I just, you know, I was, I was a lazy high school student and, and didn't like read for pleasure or fun or, you know, so I was, the idea of like reading a whole book, I was like, oh, I'm out of school. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, but then they're like, well, it's a Star Wars book. And I was like, whoa, okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so, um, so then I was like really excited. And uh, it was the Legacy of the Force series, if you're yes. familiar with that. So it's kind of like way down the line, uh, like Luke and Luke and Mara's kids are adults and Han and Leia's kids are adults. And it's kind of like what's happening to, you know, all of them and and uh it was really epic and it was really great and it was actually my first real like audiobook like i you know so like i was i was kind of jumping into a you know a very important <laughs> property but it was also my first time doing an audiobook so it was a little, it was a little intimidating uh, and i had to kind of learn a lot of things on the fly but uh 
now now i kind of get it now now i joke it's like oh i understand why people like to read now because <laughs> like you get so much more time with the characters and get to kind of understand their thought process and what they're thinking and so so now now i actually legit enjoy it but at first it was like really intimidating but uh i was, I was very excited to get it i think that it's kind of funny that uh, you were never the kid to read a full book but yeah. now now you're uh you, you know you're you're doing the narration for full books but yeah. I, it's kind of the same way where i just don't have time anymore to just right. sit down and read a book straight through so you're kind of enabling people to continue yeah, yeah, yeah. To be able to read <laughs> more of me yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but do it in a different format so yeah that's so cool and and i i heard in a different interview that you gave that uh, you kind of described that first work as you know you you got the job because you could do the voices but then you had to you know really learn yeah. all those things how to how to tell the story in general so but when it comes to the voices I mean is that a talent that you've always had were you a kid doing voices like that or did you really just find it with an opportunity like this no I, I I pretty much was always kind of a parrot and kind of mimicking things I would hear on tv or you know I uh I my dad always likes to remind me that I in, in middle school my teacher gave me like the the Sony Motor Mouth Award or something like that because when everyone was supposed to be doing homework quietly in class, I was like making little noises and things like that. And and I remember I remember one time someone called the house asking for my mom, and she wasn't there. But I decided to see like let me see if I can get away with this. And I was like, "Hello, Chris Thompson," you know. And I was trying to like do my like mom's voice, and I was young enough where I could pull it off. And they they totally bought it. Like they didn't know. You know, that wasn't so that was kind of like a little bit addicting. I was like, ooh, this is fun. <laughs> so I would I would then, you know, try to mimic, you know, Kermit the Frog and different things I would hear on TV. And, and you know, uh, and it's 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 just something I I picked up over the years and uh, really enjoy. So I always love hearing those stories about how the thing that you were criticized for when you yeah. were younger, <laughs> you found an outlet for. Yeah, yeah. My for dad me, also. Well, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say for, for me, it was that, you know, I was always criticized for being, you know, too critical, um, you know, noticing the bad and everything. And then okay. I got a job as a copy editor at a publisher. <laughs> That's awesome. Because they're the only ones who care about, you know, right. the commas and everything. So oh, you got to just brilliant. find that thing that you've been made to do. <laughs> yeah. No, my dad used to tell me, like, my dad's an engineer. And, you know, now I understand that he was trying to protect me from having uh, an unstable job and wanted me to kind of go into a field with that, you know, you could guarantee that you'd be able to make a living. Um, but he, you know, he used to say like overacting is a felony and you can't, you know, like, you know, like you have to do something like, you know, like, you know, uh, reliable or whatever. And, you know, so it's a, it, there's a little bit of gratification that I get to like do the same yes. thing. It's like, ah, <laughs> so. Was there fun. ever anything on the docket? You know, if, if you weren't doing this, what would you have been doing? Um, I mean, not really. Like I, I th there was one, I mean, well, I was a minister for a, a, a long time. Uh, so I guess I, I could have stuck with that or pursued that. Um, and then I thought, I, I dabbled like with the idea of being a teacher and I, I, there was a period of time where I was needing to find work and I, and I uh, started substitute teaching. Um, but I kind of, I don't know if it was because I was a substitute, but I would kind of go in and have these really elaborate games planned for the kids and like these, like try, like these really cool object lessons. 
and they just did not want to have anything to do with me and they, they just couldn't wait to like tear me up and so I, I was really kind of discouraged but then but then I started booking so many voiceover jobs that the principal was like you you can't keep taking off for the you know like if you're going to do this we need you to do this so I was like okay I guess I'm going to really do voiceovers so um yeah <laughs> yeah it's one of those things where you know, I, I've got a lot of friends who are actors, creatives who have to be able to work on the fly, but it, it, you're absolutely right. I worked in a school for a little while and when you're subbing, you have to be just as open to be able to take that job right yeah, away. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. I, I I love that you were able to come in and really found that you have, you know, a, a real place where you can use those voices, you can use that storytelling ability. Yeah. Um so so you know. Do you know off the top of your head how many Star Wars books you've been involved in or any kind of estimate? My, I don't know the exact number. I think, I think it might be somewhere around like 70 or 80 at this point, I think. That wouldn't surprise um, me. All, all I know is yeah. that when I was scrolling Wikipedia, it was just like, it just kept going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I've been really lucky. Like I, it, it, it you know, it's, I, I've done other audiobooks um like i've done business books and i've done young adult books and i've done other novels and just but you know i i i'm i'm such a star wars fan that it's it's such a big deal to me that i get to to do that many star wars and i, I don't know if i'd um enjoy it as much as i do if it weren't you know star, the, the galaxy far far away so <laughs> yeah. i feel very blessed that i get to do it so love that um you know i'm i'm sure that there are certain books that people really associate you with is there any book that you feel like deserves a bigger appreciation in the fandom that's a great question um um well i will say that like it might be just because I wasn't aware of it at the time because I feel like I don't, I don't know how active I was on the internet or what, how active the internet was in 2006. It, it all kind of felt new, but like I wasn't super aware of how they were received, but I, I do feel like the legacy of the four stories were really awesome. And that there were some like really great um, explorations of the force and kind of like these, alien races that like there was one i'm gonna forget now but there was one alien race or one alien that luke encountered where like the way they communicated was like kind of flutter licking your face and like all these things and like and uh and and some of them were kind of maybe early precursors to like the bendu on rebels where there was like a you know a middle ground to the force and uh so i, I remember really enjoying and and, and uh th those stories and there was like this um villain i think her, i think her name was abeloth and she was like this like giant like squid creature and and like it was there's a lot it's just the drama of like you know jason and, and uh and and the you know um oh, what was her name jaina jaina thank you um and and just just the drama between the kids and the, tra the tragedy of that so i you know i i, I maybe they are really well acknowledged and i just wasn't aware of of how much you know because now it's been so long ago but i i do really i really do enjoy those and i thought there were some awesome stories in, in that kind of 
arc. So for sure. That's there. It's on my list to, to get around to those. I, oh, um, cool. I feel like it's, Oh, sorry. It, I spoiled it. Sorry. Gosh. <laughs> I, you know, I, I kind of know, I kind of know the, the arc that um, comes from all of those books, but um, I, you know, I, I need to get around to reading them all specifically, but I just think that it's, um, you know, it's Luke and Mara's story and, and yeah. the, the whole family story that like, I just love right. that the uh, expanded universe really just lent, just leaned into all of that, keeping those characters at the center of yes. all of that drama. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I do miss like spending time with Han, Luke and Leia. You know, it's been a while since I've gotten to do a story with them. And and uh, you're right. Like if there's something special about that and, you know, yeah. you feel a deeper connection to those characters. Yeah, you you just did um, Princess and the Scoundrel, though, right? I did. You're right. Yes, 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 yes. And that, that, was, that was definitely fun. And that was with uh, uh, Saskia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. How was that? You know, we talked a little bit before we started recording about, um, you know, working in tandem with other people on projects. You know, do you enjoy that, you know, more or less? Is is there a difficulty that comes with working with another person? What do you prefer? Oh, another good question. Um, <laughs> I so I love both for different reasons. Like I I definitely love working with other actors because there is something special about playing off of their performance and how their performance and their take on a scene in the moment will influence your response, you know, like that you just can't get when you, when you don't have somebody else there. So that I I really do enjoy that. And I, 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 uh, I wish that there was the budget to do that more often because it's, it's, it's so much fun and it, it, it's such a deeper, richer final product, I think. Um, but then on the other hand, um, like January Lavoie talks a lot about how there is something unique about a single performer doing the entire book. And it's it's kind of like when you go to see a one person show or when you, you know, it's it's like, or when you see like uh, a musician do something acoustically, it's like, sure, they could have, the full band and the drums and the dancers and the lights. And that that's one experience and that's an awesome experience, but there's also something really special about, you know, just seeing someone sit on a stool with their guitar and one microphone. And there's something that that's really intimate and draws you in, in that. And, that, and it's a different experience. And it's not like, you can't always say one is better than the other. It's just, they're, they're different and they're both special for their own reasons, you know? So, um, so I, I like, I like thinking of it that way. And, you know, I, I enjoy the challenge of trying to tell the story by myself, but then I also enjoy playing off of other performers and, ha- and, and getting to kind of create with them. So they're, they're both great for different reasons, I guess. So. <laughs> for sure. I love that. And, and um, you know, let's, let's start to talk about a project that's collaborative in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. I've absolutely loved the High Republic. Oh, so yes. excited to see what's coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's funny because of, you know, obviously the authors were involved in the, the writing of the story, but when it came to the actual, you know, the performance, the, you know, the getting ready to kind of bring this to the world, you kind of got first dibs on that, didn't you? I mean, yeah. you did Light of the Jedi and, you know, so, so in that moment, when you're starting out on what you know is going to be an ongoing project like that, you know, is does it feel like a blank slate? Did you did you receive anything from the authors or from from the publishers about what the idea was for this? And how did you approach those first steps? Um, yeah, it's it was definitely kind of daunting and exciting. Um, 
I I originally got uh, sent like a, a PDF uh, that what I think a lot of it is now what's in the Art of the High Republic book, but I, mm -hmm. I got sent like a lot of concept art and kind of, you know, um, character drawings and, and different things like that. Um, so they could kind of get a, a, a feel and a sense for what the authors were doing. And I, I think it was um, what, the, what the authors were using also, like they were kind of getting to look at that. So that was incredibly inspirational and, and like, you know, just seeing, seeing some of these art, you know, these Jedi and, and what they look like, I definitely was able to connect to them in a different way. Um, and I think, you know, it, it was like, it was definitely challenging because like Light of the Jedi has a lot of new characters and a lot of new concepts and, and like, it's, it's kind of like stepping into the world and it's almost, it was, it was almost like, who's the central hero of this book. And it's, it's more of an ensemble piece, you know? Yeah. So like, um, um, but I loved, I, I just, I, I just really loved it. I, I, I felt like, I don't know how spoilery we should get. You can bleep me out or edit this out, but like the, the, I love the exploration of how different Jedi view the force in different mm -hmm. ways. I was just so into that. And I thought that was like so new and exciting, you know, cause I'm a big, like what I love about Star Wars is, is the Jedi and just, or, or the force, you know, and just, and yeah. so, so like, I I'm loving, I loved that in phase one. And now I'm even more loving the exploration of like different religions within the force, yeah. like the, the path of the open hand and the church of the force. And, you know, like, and so I, I just, I'm just so fascinated by it all. And it's, it's really cool. And so, yeah, so like, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling now, but I, yeah, I, I, I kind of had to go through and, and look at the concept art and that, and then just kind of read the book. And I, I do this thing where I, I, I cast it where I, anytime a character speaks in the book, I'll, I'll take a couple lines of their dialogue, any descriptions that the author gives me or the other characters in the book describe what that character is to them. And then I try to come up with voices based on that. So it's, it's a, it's a long process, but it, mm -hmm. I, I, I think it, it helps me keep everybody straight when I have to record. And like, if I can, try to make them as distinct as possible so for sure and yeah um you know with, with something like that where you've got so many characters i mean light of the jedi especially you know you've got a whole set of characters that you know again spoiler alert they're all in the, the first part of the book and yeah, they're yeah. there on 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 the proverbial screen and then they're not yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it just strikes me that you know you, you do such a nice job of really making every character distinct every character so recognizable regardless of whether they're on the page for you know just just one or the entire series yeah, so yeah, yeah. um yeah so so when you're doing that that um you know pre-production process does it like you know what are you doing are you reading the book just straight through you know once do, do you go slowly and um, make notes as you go or you know what's the process like as you um, get to know a book yeah I think when I first started I tried to do it as I went along um, but I stopped doing that because I that, a lot of times there would be like twists that would happen that then wouldn't fit the voice I picked for a particular character like you know there were a couple times where you know, the gender wasn't assigned. And then in chapter six, you find out it's, it's, she reached for her, you know, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> you know, so, um, so I, 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 I kind of, and then, and then there's also times where like a character you think we can trust, you know, turns out to, you know, be, you know, deceiving everybody. And so maybe the voice I picked was, it would, you know, not fit with where the character ends up towards the end or, you know, vice versa or so, um, 
so I, so now what I do is I read it all the way through and I do just take notes on what the characters are as I'm going, but then I, I, I finish it and then I go back and try to like assign voices to them. And cause that also helps with like, you know, if this character's talking a lot versus if they're only in this one scene, I might want to like give a more distinct voice to the one that's talking a lot so that they can really, you know, be followed throughout the whole book or, you know. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's not the most efficient, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's what works for me. So. Yeah. There's a lot that I'm sure goes into that. You know, this is probably not something that you ever get to a place where you can just, you know, read it on the fly, you know, it, as, as good as you can get to be in terms of a narrator and a storyteller, you know, you have to really plan out what yeah. what you're going to do with these. Yeah. 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 I, uh, yeah, I know there's no way. Like I, I wouldn't want to do that as a fan. Number one, just cause it's too, it would be too important to me <laughs> that, that it's done well. And then it's just like, I have to know where the story, like I, part of it might be just, I'm not that great of a cold reader or whatever, but I, I just, I, I have to know what's going on. So that I, I know, what to emphasize and, 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 and what's, what to foreshadow and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. 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 And, you know, when it comes to distinctive voices, I just have to ask you about, you know, you've done so many great characters, but the one that will always stick out in my mind is Markion. All right. <laughs> I, I just, I, I love him. And, and I will say, I know that, you know, there was the dichotomy, the Martian versus Markian. I liked Martian more. Okay. I, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's still kind of what I say more in my head. So, right, right, right. so you know, and, and I've told people, I've told my friends who have just, you know, read, um, you know, the first couple of, of books in the, in the High Republic series, I've, I've told them, you have to go back and you have to read the audiobook because there's something about Markion's voice uh, that just like like that was what I felt made the character come alive to me and uh, thanks did you have any any um direction with that or was that all you um I I mean I always have direction because like Kevin's always uh helping me and kind of yeah. like you know if I'm going too far he'll reel me back in or you know or if or if it's not fitting within the bigger piece of the puzzle he'll help me out with that so it's always collaborative but I, I i i pretty much came with that idea and he liked it um and i think it was it was me it was mainly just from charles's description of him and like you know I, I forget the exact line but like it was something about you know he spoke like like uh it was like a like something about like uh, like he spoke with a whisper or there was something and and I, and I, I liked that, you know, the way he starts out is so unassuming and so seemingly weak, uh, that it's a real shocker when you find out he's been manipulating or he's, he has this plan or, or, or he does then have this like fit of rage and does something incredibly brutal. And like, you're like, Whoa. So like, I wanted the voice to try to reflect some of that. So I, I like this idea of like, you know, he's kind of like soft spoken and strange and uncomfortable to listen to. But if you make me angry, I will stomp your brain, you know, like just really like, you know, like, so like something to like, 
uh, just make him unsettling and disturbing. And, you know, cause even in the way he's described as how he looks like almost like a shark and like, you know, there's this like, and the kind of the stillness of a shark until it attacks, you know? So like I was, I was, there was a lot of those things. And a lot, a lot of that was just from Charles and, and uh, how he's described and written in, in light of the Jedi. And, and so there was, a, a, you know, it, it was a lot of inspiration to draw from. So. So cool. I love mm-hmm. that. So, so, you know, I know that the, I think that the, the, his name, you know, that, that kind of became a fandom thing because, you know, the authors kind of, you know, came out and said, okay, we were thinking that it was more Marcion, not Martian. Yeah, yeah. And it <laughs> got me thinking, you know, in terms of, you know, the question of, you know, what do you receive at the, at those beginning stages? You know, like you said, you talk about getting concept art, getting um, direction from the director and producers, but, you know, are there any, you know, misconceptions or, you know, like what, what is it that fans should know about your place in that collaboration? Do, do you think that fans really understand where you kind of sit in that process? Uh, well, maybe like I did, <laughs> like I did like, um, I guess maybe they should know like, like um, there, like when we do the audiobooks. I get a spreadsheet that comes from Kevin that comes from Lucasfilm. Um, and there's, there, there is like discussion about, you know, this planet is pronounced this way or this alien species or, or these names are pronounced this way. And, and there is, you know, there's communication with that. Um, so it's not like I'm just making it up on the fly. Like, I think it should be Markeon. Like, you know, so like there was like, you know, there, there, there was kind of, decisions and even if you listen to the first um they did those youtube videos when the high republic were coming out and they kind of had these little those little character videos uh and even in that first character video it's markion you know so like there was you know so it's so what, what what just happens is is like when you're dealing with the different comic series and the young adult books and which are produced by disney and then the adult books which are produced by del rey and then you know, video games and, you know, cartoons and, and all that stuff. And, and then TV shows, it's like, inevitably it, it, the ship gets so big and there's so many things that you do have Twi'lek and Twi'lek or, you know, or, you know, uh, you know, um, Leia or Leah or, or Han and Han. And, you know, and so th- those things just happen. And, you know, Dave Filoni and, and George Lucas are, are famous for saying, you know, it's a big galaxy and, you know, people pronounce potato potato here so you know we shouldn't be surprised that people pronounce things differently in the galaxy far far away you know so like but i guess i did get a little like nervous when that whole thing came out on the internet that people were assuming that i didn't care and i was just oh, i'll just do this you know and I, and I even like i even like dm'd charles i was like i'm so like please understand i was told to say it this way and, and he's like no it's not a big deal it's like Leia, Leah. what you know when it's just the way thing you know you know and and so and then kristen i think braver had some fun with them about it <laughs> you know so like but uh i i was terribly insecure about it because i was like i didn't want people to think that i wasn't paying attention or i wasn't caring about it i was just you know there were discussions like hey on high republic show they're saying it this way is this the way you know like no you know so it, you know but it was mm-hmm. So I think, but I think things like that just happen and, and they, they, you know, they, you know, when you're dealing with that many words and that many, you know, and, so, and sometimes there's even, well, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this, but you know, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. and, and it just, 
strikes me that, you know, that's, that really is going to be a, an effect of really any kind of artistic collaboration. You know, you're yeah. always going to have those things that kind of rub up against each other. And, and I, I understand why fans who care so much about these franchises, you know, th th there is a rub and they get a little bit stressed out when it feels like, oh, this comic book contradicted what we saw on screen right. or, you know, like when Bad Batch came out and it kind of retconned um, some of Kanan's story and, yep. and stuff like that. Like, I, I totally understand it, but I do think that, um, I think that everybody would be a lot happier if we kind of had an understanding that like, this is going to happen. Not only is it going to happen, but I think that uh, you can be a lot happier if you kind of take the idea of like, this is all history being told from different perspectives. And if something doesn't match up, then you can attribute it to someone else's perspective and the way they tell yeah. the story. And that's, that is exactly Kevin Thompson's approach. Like he, like he feels like these, these were stories told a long time ago in a place far, far away. So it's, it's kind of like, a little bit of the telephone game, but it's also just, it's different interpretations. It's like, you know, you can see the story of King Arthur, or you can see the story of Batman, and you can see, like, when different directors or different time periods tell that story, it's, it's, there's certain elements that are slightly different, but the core of the story is the same, and that's, that's kind of, it, it loosens you up a little bit, too, in, in terms of artistic expression. It's like, well, this is this person's take on this story, or, you know, so, yeah, it's cool. Very cool. I'm not gonna, you know, you don't have to say anything. No spoilers here, but um, you know, I'm sure that you're further ahead than all of us, um, still stuck in phase two. So, you know, <laughs> at, at at this point, you know, what are you preparing for or or doing? You know, right around now, where are you in this process? Well, uh, all right. Let me. Can I can I Google something really quick to make yeah. sure I'm allowed to say something? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we want to make sure that that all NDAs are are respected as far as you need. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Uh, while you're doing that welcome d doc we're glad to have you on what's going on i just watched hey, hey. uh just watched both bad batch episodes uh, it yeah. good? <laughs> good lord i never yeah, know it's... if i'm in for a kid's show or like the most intense thing i've ever seen in my life like i, I don't know, know. we were crazy yeah we were seeing the same thing it's like so deep and like they're just really going for it political drama i just love it okay Seriously. it's on it, it's on Amazon, so I'm going to assume I'm allowed to say it. But I, I am uh, on Monday. I'm going in to record uh, Cataclysm, the next uh, High Republic uh, Del Rey book. Wonderful. So, and and I, I obviously can't say anything about it, but it, it's it's really good. Like there's there's some really awesome things that happen. So very cool. How, how yeah, long yeah. does it take for you to record when you do a book? Uh it's so it, i'll be there monday through friday from like 10 in the morning till like six at night okay so, that's they, a they lot let, yeah they let me out for food and bathroom but otherwise it's like read 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 i'm always amazed when you listen to an audiobook i i i'm a, I'm a performer i've done a little bit of audio work oh, cool. i it, in, enough to know you know people are in that booth for hours upon hours at, at a time and it's always amazing to me when you can't tell that someone might be flagging a little bit and yeah you know, that's that's the game yeah yeah it's it's the marathon do you have like a pre-game ritual when it's like the night before when you know you're going to be going into the booth where you're like all right like you know like do you have anything that you do like consistently before you record these or you're just like you, you can just go in there and do it basically like um no i just uh <laughs> i mean it's 
like the 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 night before like the the few days leading up like when i'm walking the dog a lot of times i'm like practicing different voices or like you know trying out different things to see if i like how it sounds or if it's going to work or not you know so there's a lot of like in the shower talking to myself and in the dog you know walking the dog talking to the dog and these weird voices so um there's a lot of that um <laughs> and then i try to you know yeah, it's, it's mainly that and just sleep and water. There's a lot of, like, I have a giant water bottle that I go through, like, three of them a day. Like, I'm just like, because I just got to keep it lubricated. So, it's do you, When you have all of these characters, do you find that they kind of live in your head permanently and you can just kind of pull them out? Or when you, you know, like, like when you did Princess and the Scoundrel, maybe you, you probably hadn't done Han in a while. Um, do, do you kind of have to find him again? It, a little bit a little bit like i think um like with with han with with the, with the original trilogy ones that they, they kind of more lived in my head permanently um it had been a while since i did han so i i, I do i i for those i pretty much always will rewatch like empire or jedi as i'm getting ready for it or just have it on in the background to kind of like resaturate my brain with it um but like a lot of the if the if they're if they're not legacy characters that I grew up with, then a lot of times as soon as I'm done recording, they're they're like gone from my brain. And I have to like I have to go back and like I have like files and like hundreds of files on my phone that I have to go back and listen to when I'm getting ready to do the next book to refresh. I'm like, what did I do? Oh yeah, right, right, right. You know, just because uh there's just not enough uh memory uh on the hard drive to like keep it all <laughs> there permanently so the original trilogy ones are there just because i've grown up with them and i idolize them but like everybody else i get stuck in the ram and has to get you know refreshed or whatever i don't know i think that it sounds like you've got a pretty cool gig yeah it's pretty fun <laughs> <laughs> does it does it ever lose its excitement or do you kind of wake up going man i get to read all these star wars books no, yeah, the Kevin, the director, will make fun of me a lot of times. It's like you would do this for free, wouldn't you? And I'm like, yeah, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> so as we start to, you know, kind of move into um, Star Wars proper, we'll talk about Bad Batch. You know, for you, when did the love of Star Wars first start? It's uh, I was born in '75, so I, it's one of those things where I, as far back as I can remember, I remember star wars being in my life you know like like just action figures and i saw i was too young to see new hope but i saw empire in the theater and you know i just i would go to my grandma's house and she had all the figures and so i just i just it was always there it's like i i don't it's hard for me to remember a time where i wasn't a fan of it <laughs> so that's so cool yeah so and and you find that you keep up with everything that's coming out all of the live action movies or uh, shows the uh, the animated shows or is there kind of stuff that you have to you know don't have enough time for everything well yeah i guess i don't have time for everything but i mean with the like i i watch all the live action shows i watch all the animation except the lego stuff i i, I didn't oh, get into like lego free makers <laughs> and like the i i watched a couple of the holiday specials but that's not super my thing, but like I, I, but like all the, like Clone Wars, Rebels, Bad Batch, I'm totally always there. All the live action stuff, I've done everything. Obviously, every movie. Um, the a lot of the, 
I definitely haven't done every book. Like I, you know, I've done the books I've worked on and I've listened to a few for my own like enjoyment, but there's, there's so many, and I'm usually either working on stuff and prepping stuff that I, that's the one area where I feel like I haven't been able to be a completionist and I'd like to, you know, like I just listened to, I, I had a break over the holidays where I wasn't as busy and I listened to Path of Deceit, uh, which which was, uh, I think, the first of phase two, but I didn't do that one. But that one was great. And I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and uh, I wish I remember the narrator's name, but she did a great job. Uh, but the book itself was awesome. And, and so so I know I would love all of the other High Republic books and all the other just Star Wars. But like I'm, I, Shadow of the Sith is on my list of, you know, things I want to get around to. Um, so there's a lot out there of the books that I'd love to do more, but I just haven't, th those were harder to find time for. So, yeah, you can't be, it, it's hard to be a completionist in yeah. a franchise as big as this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel that tension too. I've got like, you know, at, at one point keeping a list of all of the, the audiobooks that I have listened to, right. you know, tr trying to get your hands on a lot of books that aren't even in print anymore. Yeah. Yep. Oh man, it's just it's it's a whole adventure just to get your hands on the material. Yeah. So, well, let's talk a bit about Bad Batch. This was such a fun double episode this week. I really love that they gave us both parts instead of making us wait because I remember like when I ended that uh, that first episode, I was just like, man, thank goodness that there's another episode to follow this up because I would not want to have to wait a week. Um. So, D Doc, you just uh you just finished it just minutes yeah. ago. So, yes. give us your thoughts. Yeah, crazy week with my kids. I usually try to watch it the night it comes out, but uh, and I've been watching this with my son, and he didn't watch this episode. Which oh no, he did not watch these two, and he's five years old. Okay, he has loved this so far. Yeah. He's gonna be six actually, and I should say six. He's gonna be six in like a couple, a week or so. So this is my first show that I'm watching in tandem with him. So that's why I'm loving it because. Honestly, this kid picks up on Star Wars better than me now. At, I just recently turned 32 years old. He remembers names even better than I do wow. and everything. So he's set. He has a dad who likes Star Wars. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> like, he, he's good. I, my dad, my mom, I don't know how I got into Star Wars, but he, <laughs> he's set. But, um, man, these, these two episodes were just great. And I, I just... I don't know about you guys. I find myself getting distracted with how amazing the animation is for this show. Like sometimes I'm watching something and then I'll be like, I need to stop a second and rewind because I'm not even paying attention to what they're saying because I'm just like lost in the visuals of it. Yeah. Like Coruscant was amazing on, on these episodes. Like, Oh my God. Uh, I, I don't know that I can like, as we go along, we'll touch on certain points here, but like, I don't know. The the Bad Batch has a, a tendency to to like you'll have a couple crazy episodes and then you'll have some fun ones and then you'll just and then it'll just get deep. And, yes. and, and it's like and these were two deep ones. Very deep. It, it was great. I mean, what what do you guys think about it? I'll, I'll let you guys go in right now. Mark, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think the animation is like so like stunning and detailed and like and even like some of the shadowy stuff, it's like really, really impressive. And like, like, so I'm, I'm blown away by that. I'm blown away that, you know, I keep thinking, oh, it's a fun kid show and Omega and, you know, ha, you know, but like they, they touch on like these really deep, like, you know, concepts of morality and like what, what is right and wrong and, and just learning it from her eyes. And uh, 
And I just, so it's, I'm, I'm just so, so fascinated. And I love, it's almost like, it's an interesting companion piece to Andor because what I feel like both of them have done so well is show how evil the empire is in kind of these like bureaucratic, you know, uh, seemingly small ways, you know, but that have these huge ripple effects and just showing you like how, how insidious and how like, um, how, how careful you need to be with evil because it can, it can sneak in, in these like almost mundane ways, but then, then have these huge, huge impacts, you know, and just like, you know, it like, like who would have thought like seeing a debate in Congress would be so, you know, compelling and engaging. And then like the floor opens up and the emperor comes out and you're like, Whoa! and like, and, and, but then like, like, you know, just that debate with like, there was so much tension because you knew what this decision was going to lead to. And like, but it was just done so well. Like, oh, this is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A couple, couple thoughts on that. Um, first off to the, just the appearance of the show. I think the only problem that I have is that when I go back and watch Clone Wars, I, I'm like, oh man, I wish it looked like Bad Batch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> especially with this one, um, you know, there's no secret for me. I, I just, I love Obi-Wan and Satine's story. So um, the, what, what really um, caught me with, with these episodes, I love the, you know, all the political intrigue. I love all of the Senate scenes, all of the stuff, but this also really reminded me of the season two episode in Clone Wars, Duchess of Mandalore, which is mm. the one where Satine goes to Coruscant and has to um, advocate for, uh, oh, for Mandalore yeah. not to be invaded by um, the Jedi and the, the Republic forces. Right. And it's, it's got a lot of the same elements where it was like clandestine meetings and kind of being on the run and, you know, skulking around the lower levels of Coruscant and, you know, the finale trying to get a message into the, 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 senate chambers before a bill goes through and like so there, there was a lot of those elements there so my my mind kept going back to oh, man i wish that all of those early episodes of right. Clone wars looked like this um but then yeah I, what i loved about it yeah i i, I love my my thing is is that the thing that so many people criticize the prequels for that you know all all the politics all you know people thinking that this was all just down in the weeds that's the thing that makes star wars so real to me i yeah I, I love sci-fi. I love other franchises, but Star Wars really sticks with me because it feels so real as we deal with political drama in our own world. And what I love about this episode, and there's some episodes of The Clone Wars too, is when you get to see beyond the story that's being told and see how Palpatine's using it in his game. So yes, a, yes, there's an episode. It's it's the the final episode of the Rush Clovis arc in Clone Wars where like and, and th those ones too, like, you know, a lot of people you either love them or you hate them. But then in that case, like, you know, with Clovis and Anakin and Padme, like there's a lot of drama there. It's kind of a soap opera. And yeah, but yeah. then what I have always loved about those episodes is that it's like one of the final scenes or maybe the final scene. Um when what you find is that all of this drama ends with Palpatine taking over the banking clan's resources and you see how he puts himself in right. power over that. And yeah, in this, yeah, yeah. and you see this exact same thing in this last episode where, you know, he comes up and, and um, you know, Ryo Chuchi's just, you know, achieved what she wants to achieve right, but... and then plays right into his hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I and I loved, uh, I saw someone on Twitter say something like, oh, now we know why 
Palpatine wasn't in Andor because he's basically just been hiding out underneath the Senate floor <laughs> waiting for a chance to come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he was just like, now's my opportunity. <laughs> like yeah. he, he he was ready. He was just <laughs> ready to go up. That, that like you said earlier, Mark, like when that thing opened, I'm just like, Palpatine's coming. Here he comes. Yeah. Like, this is about to get real. Like it just makes right. you feel so sorry for the clones, too, because it's like they were just following orders, but then he like uses that, he spins it in such a way it's like, how could they blindly follow orders? You know, like you know, just like and, and just to show how disposable they are, and just like it was ah, just so good. Yeah, and plus it was Ian McDiarmid doing his voice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, that so was cool. one thing. Like right when I heard him talk, I'm like, oh wow, they they pulled Ian in for this and put yeah. him in the booth, and 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 this is this is some deep stuff. And I mean now now like the question is too is like what what more um situations with palpatine are we going to start to because this is like the question i've always had is i've always like i've always questioned what happened to the clones like what what, was there like an order 66 moment for them which i've Uh, said a couple episodes ago on our podcast like will we find that out and it's like that's starting to come to fruition because like this is seeming like some some dark stuff is about to happen to them like i don't know if they're planning to like execute them or or what like it's pretty bad like what whatever they plan to do and palpatine gave a perfect speech i was like damn like yeah yeah he took what he was given and 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 knocked it out like political ball game right there it was crazy Yeah. It's got to be fun for Ian McDermott to be able to come in and basically just do a little five minute monologue, you know, in and out, but to get such good yeah. meaty, meaty uh, speeches like that. Oh, totally. And so, was there something in, I can't remember what the line was, but were they kind of implying that the clones are still rapidly aging and that they're like, was there some, there was some line where they, it almost made me wonder if they're going to like age them all out or something or like as another way that they die off or like, I don't know. In yeah. addition to like hunting them down probably. Yeah. They did mention that, that like, you know, like they're, they're rapidly aging. And, and uh, they also said like, that's what do we do as we get older? And they're just like, that's, that's not in our protocol. Like yeah, we yeah. don't know what happens basically. Yeah. Which I thought Which... That, that was new to me. I didn't, I, I thought they rapidly aged up to the age they wanted them to be for combat, but I didn't know that that was still, which is interesting to think about, you know, if they have a limited lifespan. So. Yeah, I, I I was kind of surprised by that because I think that it's always kind of been a gray area. I don't yeah. know if it's been established that they, you know, age to a certain point and that, or, you know, you know, age at a faster rate and then don't. But I was surprised that they solidified that, that they do continue to age. But I guess we do see, I mean, Rex and Rebels and, you know, all of those, like, yeah. they're, they're pretty old. Yeah, that's true. So. That's true. And that's, yeah, 20, 30 years. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, I like I like that we're still getting you know it's it's um, Rio. I thought I thought it was pronounced Rio in in um, Clone Wars, so I you know I had to I'm trying to go back and see where did I pick that up. But I guess Rio Rio Chuchi picking up Padme's um, uh, you know clone rights um, banner and and seeing that and yeah. for for me what I would really like and and I have a I have a real feeling that this is probably one of those things that's kind of under embargo as the Mandalorian is happening but I've always thought it would be really interesting to see do any of the clones try to lean into their Mandalorian heritage and oh my gosh say the Resolnare 
That would be cool. I want to see that. I want to see, and and I also want to see the fall of Mandalore to the Empire, which like we we've already seen Mandalore fall several times. We got yeah, that, yeah. In, you know, we got the fall of Sundari in in season five of Clone Wars. We're seeing it in Mando, but then between that, um, you know, there there is in this period the point where, you know, after Order sixty six, Palpatine comes and usurps. Bo-Katan and wow. kicks her out yeah. and that's and and, and I, I think that that's what's being referenced in the Mandalorian when she um hears Boba speak and she says I've heard your voice thousands of times and you know she's she's angry at him because she's yeah. been usurped by a whole army of people oh, that look like yes, him yes 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 and so like that's that's the thing like I, I just I really want to see that on screen and right. you know they, they've used basically every other character every other updated model that they used for Clone Wars season seven except for Mandalore and I'm just like come on give it to me but then but then let let the clones like lean into that Mando heritage yeah that'd be awesome yeah and that's like the tough part about Bad Batch too is it's like you get these deep storylines and then it's like we might just have like another Sid uh, mission like next week that might not yeah. have like anything to do with <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But I really I really like that though. I like that it kind of feels like like um storytelling in like the 90s and 2000s of like, you know, X-Files like Monster of the Week. Yeah. Um you know, like I was a big Stargate fan, like Planet of the Week stories where you yeah. kind of like get those those little one-off stories that just at, at that time, like we never really questioned it. It was like, you get a 24 episode um, season and most of them would kind of be one-offs. And then you'd get the, the uh, mid-season finale and the, se- the season finale where it's like, that's where it would contribute to the bigger overarching story. Yeah. And I think that people have kind of forgotten that that's kind of how it used to be because now we're so used to like having these like eight episode seasons where we think that everything has to just be basically one long mini series right <laughs> yeah true yeah and i can get down with that too just because like i again I've, I've said i'm watching with my son right now and i'm curious as as to how he'll receive these two episodes just because the amount of politics involved i'm yeah. i actually can't wait to see how he you know absorbs it and and watches and and thinks about it because he just still can't believe that the clones turned on the jedi like he's still like he's still just like blown away by all of that like so we just we actually just watched revenge of the sith for the first time and i was we had an episode where i was like when is the right time to watch that with your child (laughs) because (laughs) it does get intense and he's been asking to watch and that was the one star wars movie i held off on because it really is it really is just emotionally intense but yeah yeah you don't you don't need every uh, like I I can understand how maybe like some people like our age who are watching this and want that intensity all the time. You don't need it all the time with the Bad Batch. You can have those fun episodes and then you can have those serious ones because I do like the um, the mystery of each week going in. Like I wasn't ready for this week. I didn't see any spoilers online or anything. And it it was it was damn good. I'm a big Bad Batch fan. It's something... I caught on to Clone Wars late. I, I was a late bloomer as far as animation goes. I thought it was just something I could never get into. And uh-huh. and and now I watch these and I'm just like, I wish I could convince my friends who only watch the Star Wars oh, movies yeah. to watch these animated shows because it just builds this world so well. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's honestly some of the the best in my opinion. Like I really 
like yeah. some of the best stories and like yeah the lore stuff is really great i, I lock into great. it I think it's great because when they do this kind of stuff, you know, yeah, they're, they're doing it for a younger audience, but they've always done such a good job of making everything really compelling, sometimes really dark for kids. Like, I mean, yeah, like Clone Wars and and whatnot. But um, I, I think that it's nice that they they don't have to have so many expectations. Like, you know, when it's when you, you go to the theater to watch a Star Wars movie, you are expecting big things you were expecting yeah. you know lore altering content and what i like is that there's there's still a lot of that there it's just that it happens slower and more subtly and i i prefer that anyway yeah i also think you know the, the, the question that i have um that i really haven't been able to discern from bad batch because I, i'm not sure if they've been totally consistent about it is the chips and you know so so they introduced the chips in clone wars then you get the added complication of like Rex was able to overcome his chip. But in general, like in the Bad Batch, you see the the Batch weren't affected by theirs. You see other clones who were. Um, Crosshair got his taken out and his ideology is one that allows him to still really line up with the Empire. But then right. we see other other ones who either seem to still be under the influence of the chips or yeah. not really like or, or, almost like halfway in between where it's like it doesn't even feel like they really know what they're doing so yeah. i don't know like like either of you have any thoughts on like that and what you've been assuming is going on i'm not sure honestly i i'm i i, I was thinking that tonight actually is it's like did they not think about what happens after order 66 and like, do these chips kind of have like a one-time release and then they kind of like go back to like, I, I don't know. I, it, I I do think that this season might give us answers on that as well. I'm really hoping it does because, yeah. you know, when they're in that bar and all those guys are there, you can tell, you can tell it's almost like a 50, 50 mix of like, some guys who kind of like feel bad and and want to write the things that they wronged and other guys who are just like I just want to go fight you know it's like it, it's very interesting I'm not I'm not sure on it honestly yeah I think it's like I think they might be trying to play with the idea that just like in real life like different individuals are motivated by different things or experiences and like I think because like at one point after Crosshair's chip is taken out or they're wondering if it had been or not. And the fact that it had been, and he still makes the choice anyway, I think is them trying to say that like, you know, people can still see this differently and people can still have different perspectives on this. And, but I think like, as it becomes more clear what the empire is doing, more of the clones are starting to kind of wake up and realize, you know, Hey, this isn't right. Like we're, you know, and I think that's going to be interesting. Like as they, as more clones start to kind of see what you know what's actually going on and you know because there are certain you know people that maybe they just feel like it's not my duty to ask why it's just you know i just need to follow orders and you know the whole good soldiers follow orders thing so but then it's like it's harder to ignore for some of them so i think i think it's really interesting i i actually like have a question too which like is part of this episode but is it in canon what happened to the Senate? Because I honestly thought as that hologram was playing, I thought Palpatine was about to come out and start sending like some lightning yeah. or something. Yeah. Like I thought he was just about uh, to be like, 
like I thought he was about to hit that hologram and just be like, this stops now. Like, you know, right, like, right, right. I got kind of nervous. And then I'm like, I don't really know what happened to the Senate if it just d- dissolved or, or or what? Like, well, I'm pretty Leia, sh- Leia yeah. calls herself an imperial senator in yeah. New Hope. Right. That's okay. how she introduces herself. No, it still existed. Yeah, because like it, like in the middle of episode four, it's Tarkin or somebody walks into the briefing room and says, "We've we've just now dissolved the Senate," or you know. So I think, I think up until Leia has been capped, yeah, it it still exists in some form, and then they dissolve it finally. That's what I really love about Andor and Mon Mothma's story of seeing, you know, that these people who are so against the empire do have to play by imperial rules in order to keep having that voice um even when people kind of know that their own loyalties don't match up so that that leia claims to be an imperial senator like you can see how she's playing that game like she's she's part of that world but she's a complete rebel on the side right 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 no yeah it's pretty amazing and that's why I laugh about Star Wars, because it's like half of the points you guys brought up after I said that I actually already know some of that stuff. But it's yeah. like you just get so lost in the moment that I'm just think, like, yeah. he's about to end the Senate. He's about to send the force like it. It's like, no, Dave, the the, the Senate actually <laughs> existed much longer after that. But that, that's why that's why Filoni is just so good at telling yeah. the story and everything. It, it's totally. great. Yeah. So, you know, as we're wrapping up here, you know, we've got much more of the bad batch we've got mando coming we've got other other shows coming after that what what are you guys excited for i'll let marco first <laughs> uh i mean i'm loving mando like probably it, mando's probably my favorite of the live action shows um so i can't i can't wait for season 3 i think i'm 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 really excited i think ahsoka has the chance to blow me away even more than mando just because i like rebels is my all-time favorite cartoon and the fact that they're drawing so much from rebels has got me really really excited and you know rumors are that thrawn's coming so that could be cool and you know so so i'm i'm like immediately i'm most excited for mando and then after that i can't wait for ahsoka like i feel like it's i i'm really really looking forward to that yeah, for me it's it's Mando. I'm you know especially this season. It's it's all Mandalore. It's Bo-Katan. It's it's yeah. it's learning more about her history and and her sister and all of that. Like I'm just so excited. I'm so excited that Din is finally going to start like like he's finally coming into like being a Star Wars protagonist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have like I I I think that people make a lot of jokes like he's he's a protagonist who doesn't know he's in Star Wars, <laughs> and that definitely kind of you know that that i think that there's a lot of truth to that but he's finally going to be around people who know mandalore's story he's finally going to be you know kind of in the thick of all of this and it's going to be so cool to see um you know hopefully the armor is back and we we see we i'm hoping i'm really hoping that this season we finally get more answers about the context surrounding this like i remember going into season two and i was like you know we're gonna learn all about you know who the armor is like this this whole and you know we kind of learned that you know Bo-Katan calls Din's um cl- you know uh, um a cult c- like a cult yeah, yeah and yeah. so we get we get that there's some tension there but like there's 
so many more questions that season two raised about all of that that didn't really tell us a lot more if you've already seen yeah. Clone Wars and Rebels. And so I'm really hoping that this is the season where we finally get a lot more lore beyond kind of just getting the casual fans caught up. Right. Yeah, yeah, No, I, I agree. Like, I, I, I'm dying to know where the keeping the helmet on came from. Like, was that to protect their numbers and and keep people guessing how many there actually are or like you know and and what caused that divide and like i i i agree like i want to know where where these two philosophies diverged and why they diverged and 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 what the story is behind that so same yep i'm right on, i'm i'm right with you guys it's it's absolutely mando and you know i've been seeing some rumblings of some some movie ideas which gets me really excited because i want to see star wars on in the movie theaters yes, and there's some too. there's there's some stuff jumping around that there might be a a, a movie with ray and grogu which i'm just like that's an what? insane <laughs> crossover yeah well, that'd but, be fun <laughs> yeah it's two it's two likable characters so i mean you never I, I don't know. See, like me, me when I hear that, I'm just like, well, where where were Grogu and Mando when everything was happening with the First Order? But yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, true. I hope there's <laughs> there's 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 some rumblings of movies, which gets me excited. But I mean, as you guys said, like the Mandalorian is one of my favorite live action Star Wars things ever. I just yeah. love it. And uh, I think I'm going to be I got to ramp up a rewatch like very soon because it's this season is going to be here like in the blink of an eye. It's really. Yeah. yeah. So it's been so long since season two. And we got that small taste in the book of Boba Fett, you know, where it was just amazing. So, yeah, yeah, we've been waiting so long. I mean, (laughs) mean, season two, because Boba Fett came in between, I knew that it was going to be over two years and people like, no, 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 they'll get Boba Fett done and they'll go right into production for Mando. It's like, no, 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 that's not how this works. They they don't have enough people to to go straight into production for for Mando. And so it was like, I knew that there was going to be a wait. I'm just like, come on, I just need it back so bad. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm so excited. I'm going to be going to Star Wars Celebration in London. Uh, Lucky. That's going to be fun because it's going to be, uh, Mando will be airing. Um, I, I think Bad Batch will still be airing. So all right. um, that'll be that'll be fun to kind of uh, see it all kind of coalesce and, wow. and be able to celebrate all of that together. So I'm just absolutely stoked for that. So we'll see. I, it, you know, you'll, you'll appreciate um, Mark right over here. We've got this is the first part of my Lena So cosplay. Oh, so awesome. I'm very excited. Wow. I was able to I was able to talk to uh, Kevin Scott. A, a couple of months ago and i i uh, lena lena's my my girl she's she's uh that's great i, I think that like a, lo- a lot of people um you know they gravitate towards the jedi i mean obviously for me like i i love the i love the politics and so um i i asked kevin you know who, who haven't you seen oh for cosplay and uh, he said he hasn't seen lena yet so i'm i'm gonna change that <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> That is awesome. Your background has increased, by the way, since the last time you've been on the podcast. That is like an excellent background with your books and everything <laughs> behind you. I love it. Yeah. I, I oh, know it's thanks. different than the last time you were on too. Now, did you show Mark your lightsaber, by the way? Because I need to throw that out there. Because this thing is awesome. It's Stellan's lightsaber. Oh, whoa. Where, oh. where did you get that? Um, I, I got it at... Um... 
Oh, there we go. No so, way. Yeah. Um, it was at the uh, CCC Con in um, Nashville last year. Um, I've oh, seen I've seen seen several different vendors use it, but um, yeah, it's that's it's gorgeous. Cool. It uh, yeah, it's only got one button, but if you do it right, you can turn on um, sounds. You can make it change colors. So wow. Um, I'm hoping I would I would love to be able to get this to London too, but uh, you know yeah. when, when you can only take a <laughs> A suitcase you know less than 50 pounds and right, i've got right, right and i've got plans for lena's targons so <laughs> oh gonna, i was gonna ask about them yeah that's really cool I've, oh, I've got a, what are you gonna do i've got a very um it's, it's very ambitious i'm hoping that i can pull it off oh. but I'm, I'm hoping to do the targons kind of like little marionettes that hang off my arms oh. and, uh, then i'm what i'm what i'm planning to do to keep the the weight and the the bulk down is I'm not going to stuff them until I get to London Brilliant. and the, and the inside is going to, they're, they're going to have um, Velcro on their backs. And so the inside is going to be basically my purses for all of my <laughs> swag that I get. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> so I'd, we'll I'd see. I'd love to see pictures. I would, I really love to see pictures. Oh, that's that's the hope. So I'll I'll make sure to to yeah. uh, you know make sure that you're Please able to do. see that. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's so much fun. So much fun to talk to you guys tonight. I love that we can uh, you know get together, talk books, talk talk uh, Bad Batch, all of these things. So much exciting stuff that's happening in the franchise right now, and and lots of fun to be able to uh, get together and and discuss it. So, um, thank you both for for joining us, and um, um, thank you to all of our listeners. You can find. Um, uh, the rule of the galaxy at you know all of the social media sites and um you know we certainly hope that you'll uh, join us for our next episode so um have a wonderful day and may the force be with you mm-hmm.